welcome to a Joyful Journey podcast. I'm Taylor Nemechek. And I'm Anna Nemechek. And we are excited to share our discoveries and experiences of building our domestic church, a place of sacred refuge and authentic love and prayer. Let us walk this road together and discover how we can nurture abundant joy, life-giving wonder, and natural rhythm in our homes and lives. We're excited to be back with you all. Let us begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Open our hearts. Help us to be aware of your movements within us as you call us to ways to act, ways to think, ways to speak. Open our eyes to the ways in which we've been touched by those things that are good, true, and beautiful. Let those things affect our lives. For it's in those things that we really see your majesty, your glory, your beauty, O Lord. And it's in those things, when they affect our lives, that we really can change other people's lives. We ask for your guidance in all things. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are excited to have you back with us for this episode. We are excited about this episode. think it'll be a good one. Of course, we always hope that they're good episodes, but... We're excited. We've really been diving into a lot of reading lately, jumping back into the pages, the books, and we've really been enjoying it, as you guys have kind of been hearing through other episodes we've been doing. So we're finally like, you know what? Let's do an episode on it. So here we are. And we're going to start here with a quote by St. Alphonsus Liguori. He goes, without good books and spiritual reading, it will be morally impossible to save our souls. Boom. Yeah. I'm going to read it again real quick. Without good books and spiritual reading, it will be morally impossible to save our souls. I think he really liked books probably more than we do. Just a little bit. And I don't think he's messing around either. Yeah. So I just want to throw out a little distinction here. He says, without good books and spiritual reading, we're kind of going to make this a little two-part thing. This one's going to focus on just good books, which spiritual reading is also good books, (laughs) but we're just going to kind of focus more in the realm of the fiction. Yeah. So we're first going to talk about kind of our our, our... art. Art, art, art. I'm going to (laughs) seal. So first we're going to just discuss briefly our experience with books and with reading and with literature. And for me, this looks very, very, very different throughout the years. I am dyslexic as well as everyone in my family. And so it was harder to read, but I definitely didn't struggle as much as some of my other siblings. So in the long run, Each person is kind of affected or has different struggles from dyslexia, and reading wasn't a huge one for me. Um, I actually found it really difficult to focus and pay attention when I was reading when I was younger. I stopped reading for a while because I would try and I would read a sentence five times and have no idea what that sentence was about. Very simple books, children's books, right? I mean, they were chapter books, but... And it wasn't that I wasn't able to read. It was that I could not rein in my my mind and my imagination to read. 
And so at first, I can't really say that I loved reading. And thank goodness that's really changed since then. I don't really know like what happened, but I was able to start reading and I loved it. One of the many bookworms in my family would hide in the bathroom with a book, hide behind our bed with book. I had books in different hiding places that I knew I could like frequent and then like just grab the book, whether it was out from underneath the bed or underneath the stack of towels in the bathroom or um, maybe I got in trouble a couple times, but it was definitely worth it. But I was also a very, very, very picky reader. My mom will attest to that. I didn't want to read like the classics or the books that everyone said were good. I didn't grow up reading Chronicles of Narnia or Anne of Green Gables or Little Women or any books kind of like that. I, there were so many books that I started to read and if I wasn't hooked within the first chapter or two, I put the book down and I wouldn't read it. What a snob. <laughs> And I don't really know why that is. At that same time when I started reading, I loved to write. And I had, and I hope, still have quite an imagination. So to me, I think I would want to read all sorts of things. And that would broaden my scope and help me to be able to write. But I was so picky with what I would read. So I love to read, but it became really hard for me to find anything to read. But then, you know, over time, things changed. And my love for reading came from, I think it started with mysteries. I got really hooked on mysteries and loved the suspense and trying to solve the riddle, solve the crime, solve the, you know, what was happening in the book and try to figure it out before you were supposed to figure out. And also, I did have a vivid imagination and books helped to feed that imagination. And like I mentioned, they also really helped me in my writing. I learned all sorts of words, all sorts of facts, historical facts. I also really liked historical fiction. And I learned, I just learned so much from them. But the only way I enjoyed learning from books mostly was if they were fictional. I even had a whiteboard that when, every time I read, I had it next to me. And every time I didn't know a word or didn't know what it meant or thought it sounded cool, I wrote it on the whiteboard and then I would learn what that word was. And I would try to use it in my own writing. So it really, it challenged me. I learned about all sorts of things. And, and eventually I broadened my scope of my reading. But I'm honestly not until in the last few years when I started to read. I'm even reading what people might consider, quote unquote, children's books now. And loving them and getting so much out of them now. So that's kind of my experience with how I grew to love reading. My experience with reading is probably more of kind of the mainstream of how many other people grew up with reading. I can't really say I remember too much of like the really small children books. There's a few that kind of stick out that I remember and remember enjoying, but I'd say kind of the main part of like reading in the beginning that I remember is really just looking at the pictures in marine biology and like fish books and all sorts of things. They're, I think my favorite book for a couple of years to get from the library was this one on the Great Barrier Reef in Australia because it was a big book, size-wise big. And so that meant it had big pictures in it and there mm -hmm. were some cool pictures. But then, yeah, growing up, it was really a lot of the more, I feel like, common book series that 
kids would read. I remember really enjoying the Magic Treehouse series at one point. I really got into like the Boxcar Children and Hardy Boys books. Mm -hmm. Those are two really phenomenal series. I really enjoyed those. But I also kind of grew up with this kind of idea that there should be like this reward for reading just because of what I was involved with, I guess. AR. And I mean, like at school, having AR, where like you had to get these certain amount of points by taking tests on books that you read, or at the library, having the summer reading program where Mm -hmm. like if you'd, you know, read for however many hours, you'd get these rewards. Mm -hmm. So I always had that. And I feel like in a sense, that could probably be detrimental later on in kids' lives when they're growing up with that, again, reward-based system. But to me, I wasn't ever really doing it for that reward. Like AR, I always had that done, you know, in the first few weeks or whatever. I just had kind of built this love and enjoyment for reading already. So the rewards at the end were just a little extra bonus or whatever. But yeah, loved like the Boxcar Children, Hardy Boys. And then as I got a little older, got into like the Alex Ryder series. I read Harry Potter. I read Lord of the Rings. I read the Aragon series. I was a very series-based reader. I didn't really like standalone books. Very much preferred something that was built into a Mm -hmm. series. But I definitely always was a big reader. Always enjoyed it, like Anna. I loved how it was kind of food for the imagination and you Mm -hmm. could just kind of enter into all these different worlds per se. Mm -hmm. But I can't say that I ever read books near as actively as Anna. I wasn't there (laughs) like, oh, that's a cool word. I should figure out what that is and use it. (laughs) Okay, that came from my writer's perspective because I just, I loved writing and I, I always wanted to be that author and I knew that if these people already were authors, they had to, some of them, not all of them granted, but, you know, the ones I was reading, if I enjoyed them, I didn't try to copy their ideas, but if they were using these big words and they intrigued me, you know, I wanted, I just always wanted to become better at Mm -hmm. what I did or tried. Yeah. So I think she was definitely more of an active reader. I was much more just kind of in the fantastical worlds, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. I didn't really ever enjoy more of the historical fiction, even Mm -hmm. though I've definitely grown into being really fascinated by history and whatnot. It also helped that literature reading was integrated into a lot of different areas in school for me. We obviously, we did not have an AR system. We didn't have, I didn't necessarily have just like a specific literature class because it was integrated into several of my classes. And some of my favorite books or some of my, you know, the books that really got me reading are from school, actually. Can't say so much from college school, but but growing up in the in grade school, there there's some good ones. I think my favorite would be Mara, Daughter of the Nile, and I recently just reread it and such a good book. Which kind of leads us into the next little part we're gonna talk about what we're reading now. I think I'll go first. AKA the rest of the podcast. Hey, (laughs) this isn't normally the case, but right now I have 
what Taylor would call seven books, but only six books that I'm reading. She just recently finished one so that she could say she is <laughs> reading one less for the podcast. Whatever. I know a lot of people would definitely not recommend that, nor am I saying I do recommend that. I've noticed that I've fallen into this place where there's so many books. I have this into huge list of books that I want to read. It's never ending. Where I get way too excited to read the next book that I've started several because I just I can't wait to read that next book I want to read. And I found it kind of a little bit, this is a little off topic, but taking away the joy and the leisure of just reading a book for the sake of the book itself and not just trying to check, oh, read that one, check it off the box, but just enjoying that book for the book itself. So I need to slow down, calm my horses, because I do. I really have so many books that I want to read and I always feel like there's not enough time. But right now I'm reading Interior Freedom by Jacques Philippe. And I'll talk about that book probably in the next episode. It's a one for spiritual reading. And I actually have two, two or three going for spiritual reading because not that that is advisable either, but one is a, is the Diary of St. Faustina. And I just read, you know, a few paragraphs or a couple pages of her diary. And it's, it's something that I'm kind of just trying to read throughout the year. And then Interior Freedom is also something that you can only read a few pages. And then that's plenty for food for thought. So really, yeah, two books, two books going for spiritual reading. And they're very, very, very different types of books. Then I also try to always have an audiobook going because a lot of times during the day I don't have time to sit down and read, but I'm doing a lot of busy work, washing dishes, doing laundry, scrubbing the floor, making meals, baking, whatever it is. So I, I, right now I'm listening to The Count of Monte Cristo, which is quite the undertaking, but it is really, really good. One that I have never read before. And then... We also, Taylor and I, have an audiobook that we're listening to together, which is The Silmarillion. So we're kind of continuing that Lord of the Rings journey. And finally, just for fun reading, um, because I still like to have physical books that I read just for fun, is I'm finishing Good Wives, so the second book of Little Women. I almost finished with that one. And then I just started and just finished the first chapter of Elijah in Jerusalem, which is a sequel to a book that I just finished called Father Elijah by Michael O'Brien. I loved it. It's a Catholic fiction. They're apocalyptic books, which I didn't think I'd love, but really, really loving these books so far. So that's my reading. Was that was that fast enough? You did all right. Okay. You know, for six books. I didn't even try to I didn't try to sell them to the people. I just told them what I'm reading. There you go. But you should read them. You should. They're all good. I have, I think, I would consider four on my plate, which is more than usual, I would say. Mm-hmm. I think three is probably, like, the maximum, and three being, like, you know, having one that's, like, a for-fun fictional, one that's, like, a spiritual, and then you could, like, throw in a devotional, like, mm-hmm. daily devotional or something. So I'm kind of stretching it, but so like Anna said, we're doing the Silmarillion, and then I'm also doing reading one called Joseph's Way, which is kind of more of that devotional thing. It's broken up into like daily readings, and then I have the Life of Saint Joseph that I've really been enjoying, 
It's based on a vision given to a sister by Jesus about his foster father. So it's been fascinating. And then for fun, I'm going back to <laughs> my grade school days and reading one of the Alex Ryder books, primarily because that series of books is one that was destroyed in the flood of our basement. And so I just wanted to reread at least one just to kind of see if it was something that I really did want to purchase again to add it back into our collection. Mm-hmm. And I've been enjoying it. It's been fun. Yeah. It's definitely a bit of a throwback. Yeah, no, something that we're really excited to do because right now all of our books are in tubs, essentially. They were all in the basement. And plenty of them were still salvageable. They were fine, not water damaged at all. Um, and then there was a trash bag full, a big trash bag full of ones that we did have to throw away. But it was really interesting going through all of our books and figuring out, okay, which ones do we want in our family library? And then kind of making a list of, okay, what books do we want to attain to continue to build this library? And it's been a lot of fun. All right, next we're going to talk briefly on books that have impacted us, which I think this could also be a really long list. For me, for a few years, I would have said, and I don't know, I still might say it, but it's been a while since I've read it. But I would say The Hiding Place, which is Corrie Ten Boom's story. It's a World War II story. And she was a Jew during World War II and was taken to a concentration camp along with her family. And she did survive, and she has... Spoiler, I guess. And she spent kind of the rest of her life, I think, speaking about it. And she wrote this book. And it was just a very, very powerful testimony. And a powerful testimony of, like, trusting in God even in the worst of times. So that was really a beautiful story. And when I read in high school, before school actually, and I still, I love that book. Another one is the story of Chiara Corbella Patrio. And it's called A Witness to Joy. And she is a servant of God, I believe, currently. And the story is written by her husband. And it's a, a very powerful, very moving story of just joy and sacrificial love. Very touching. And I can't wait until she's canonized a saint. Like, it's going to happen. So I highly recommend that one. I also want to reread that one because it's been a few years. But I remember that one just being super impactful. And she died so young. And just her constant witness of of love and joy and putting others before herself was really powerful. Another World War II story. I think that era, I think it's a time of just, I'm sure there's many, many testimonies, many stories that are um, very heart-wrenching, very powerful. This one is In the Shadow of His Wings. That one's also on Taylor's list. I'll let him talk about that one. And The Lord of the Rings, which we just spent a whole entire episode discussing. So if you want to know why I like that book and why it's impacted me, go ahead and and listen to that episode. I think it impacted me as a writer in one way and then impacted me just in and through the characters, through the storyline itself, and in the beauty of this fantastical world and the Catholicity hidden within And lastly, Dressing with Dignity by Colleen Hammond. I had read it many years ago when I was younger, 
and just finished that was my seventh book i just finished it a really quick read but very profound um really draws on church sources draws on the saints draws on many 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 sources books articles and history itself just to really lay out and to just show and to remind women of their dignity and of their beauty and and their true femininity and who we were created to be and, and what God created us for and how we can live that out in an authentic way. There's a couple overlaps between our list. Um, like she said, In the Shadow of His Wings. It's a beautiful book about a seminarian at the time, and it kind of starts as a group of seminarians, but essentially through World War II, they were on the German side and got pulled into like the SS and actually met Hitler on a couple occasions. And essentially, just this seminarian's, and spoiler, by the end, a priest, experience of going through World War II on the German side as a Catholic seminarian. And just the many struggles and really his testament and his perseverance, courage, just strength to be a Catholic. There were all sorts of trials and all sorts of things that really should have had him killed. Mm -hmm. Yet God had his back, hence Mm -hmm. in the shadow of his wings. Mm -hmm. Just really profound, really beautiful book. Really honestly a quick read. It's not that big, but you just kind of fly through it. Just because it's so good. You don't good. want to put it down. Yeah. Any book, any good book, you'll read pretty quickly. Um, and then the others, there's a couple about St. Joseph. Firstly, his consecration book, which was my first real experience with St. Joseph. And having him as our patron for our relationship. And then just how much he's been active in our life and our relationship It's been really awesome, really profound to really get to learn more about this mysterious man who took care of the two most important people in the world, yet there's hardly anything known of him. So it's just been awesome. That was my first experience, and then this Life of St. Joseph book has also just been blowing my mind. Just a little teaser, definitely going to have a little series on St. Joseph in the future. I just want to finish this book because I think it'll do a lot for that series. So those have been really awesome. And then of course the Lord of the Rings I think is a given. Just like Anna said in so many ways it can impact you. One just for the creative genius of Tolkien. Two just for the extreme Catholicity. It's just dripping with Catholicity. But to have that Catholicity within such a just wonderful, fantastical, fictional book. So there's just so much. And like Anna said, we had a whole episode on it. So go listen to that. Yeah, and I think too, the heroism and the courage and the strength. I mean, the virtues that the characters embody or live out or grow in. It's just really inspiring. Yeah, it's good. It's so good. Yeah, very inspirational, I'd say. Which is, I feel like... You don't usually look to fictional books for inspiration, but I think there's a lot that can be pulled out of The Lord of the Rings. Which I think, if you're finished ending on that note of The Lord of the Rings, kind of takes us into, like, what is a good book? What makes a good book? And I think Lord of the Rings is the perfect example. But I think if we think about this kind of on the surface level, everyone will define a good book 
differently, right? But I think what they're think of, uh, thinking of is what is an enjoyable book for me? What is a book I like to read? So people could have their preference of mystery. It could be nonfiction. It could be romance, historical fiction. It could be thriller. You know, there's so many different genres and there's a reason for that. Each of us kind of has a, a genre that we might particularly enjoy. But taking the scope out broader, what makes a book, what, no matter what genre it is in, what makes a book good? Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> okay. You know, and, and for us, we, we enjoy books that might you know, teach us things, but also inspire us, but also, you know, kind of have a suspenseful side, but also have a depth. We kind of like depth in our reading. Mm-hmm. I think also with our creative sides, like with The Lord of the Rings, or even with C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia, mm-hmm. just being able to appreciate and admire the creative genius within like a series Mm -hmm. or a book I think from that creative side particularly like Anna's writing side but also just my enjoyment and really loving to be creative being able to appreciate that in a sense have that inspire our own creativities Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I think we could both could point out if a book if the realm or scope of a book or the world of a book is sloppily created. And there is a lot less of an appeal in a book like that than um, Tolkien literally had his entire world and every aspect of it figured out to the point where it could have been a real world. I think for us, we don't want to read for the sake of escaping or just it matters what the story's about. We're not going to just pick up any old book and read it. It matters the content and whether it's something that it's going to be, in a sense, worth our time. Because let's be honest, there are a lot of books out there that should not be on bookshelves, should not be read, and really have no no purpose as far as containing anything that's good, true, or beautiful, which we're going to get to in a second. And so the books we read, not that they all have to have some, like, well, I'm going to read this book because... But for us, a good book, in a sense, either has a moral, something to teach, something to to pull out of it. It makes us think. It makes us wonder. It makes us... It's not just the thrill of, or just for the sake of reading, but I don't know. Is that making sense? Well, and I think that kind of pulls into... I think a lot of times there can kind of be this question of, oh... It's like this fictional stuff, okay, is this, this is about like this fantastical world, like elves and dragons, and is that even okay for my kid? And I think there's a distinction within it as to, is it going deeper? Is it pulling you into something deeper? What is the author's purpose? What is the purpose of the story? Is it teaching, you know, teaching a child or showing to a child that, or an adult, that being heroic, that being selfless, that giving your life for a greater good, that fighting evil is good. What are the things that at the end someone is going to get from this book? Are they going to leave it, you know, with, well, I don't really know what the purpose of that book was. I guess it was an enjoyable read. You know, there was kind of some plot twists. Or is it, 
I understand that this was a wholesome story that then is helping me understand that these virtues are, are admirable or attainable or that, you know, this is worth, this thing is worth fighting for or that, or helping us have a greater understanding of the way that God intended things to be. Like we're going to talk about romance here in a minute and kind of give a distinction between different styles of writing romance. And I think there is a difference and there is a line to be drawn. I listened to the podcast, again, the Burrowshire podcast, on movies and kind of books and also video games. But it talked about how you have to be careful because fiction or fantasy or different genres people can use just to escape from reality. Are we just trying to escape from reality and pretend like our reality isn't true? Or is this fantastical story or world helping us step back from reality so that it can pull out greater truths that are present within our reality? And to help us realize or comprehend those greater truths yes. in a way that is easier for us to grasp and relate to. Yeah. And I think if you listen to that podcast, you'll understand what we're trying to say so much better. And something that I had been kind of grappling with recently was romance novels. Definitely have read some of those, like the Christian romance or the Christian historical romance. And definitely would say, like, enjoyed them. I owned a few. And as we were going through our tubs of books, I had Taylor read a section of one. And I was like, face value... There's nothing, like, wrong with these books, right? It's all moral. There's no nudity, sex, profanity. Like, you know, there. it's all just a very, like, a Christian romance. But yet, it, and many, or all of the newer kind of romance novels, whether it's Christian or not, it expounds on the romance between characters and really, really, really draws that out. And fleshes it out for the readers to where like it helps your imagination but it, it really doesn't leave much for the imagination it really writes out the scenes for you to the point where i think is unhealthy you know if you read a bunch of them you start to dream up your own romantic story based along the lines of these fictional characters that don't exist will never exist and a story that won't ever exist and that isn't yours and it's just not reality it's not reality and it's not your reality and you know being a girl and being a teen girl you know being excited for someone to fall in love with me and to fall in love with someone these fueled a fire that didn't need to be fueled is it wrong to daydream about oh someday you know like I will meet my knight in shining armor and we will fall in love and get married and have a family and live happily ever after. But all of these stories were, I think, just kind of trying to progress that. And a little over-descriptive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'd say modern romances, and I, I've only have any experience from Christian romance novels, so that is what I will speak on. But there was a lot, I mean, you know, a lot of embracing and kissing and, and everything. And then, well, that gets your mind going. And whether you're in a relationship or not, is that something you should be just dreaming about? Thinking about with someone that might exist, might not? 
So just some questions to ask yourself. Are they written to arouse? Do they entice you to conjure up images that are better left unseen? Or do they help us to understand more fully the beauty and the goodness of pure love as God intended it? Is it helping us to understand and see what true love is? It's sacrificial. It's selfless. Is it focusing on the pleasures of the body or, you know, a gift of self? One I recently read was a Jane Austen book, Pride and Prejudice, and Jane Austen's known for many books, and many would be considered to be romances, right? And you can clearly tell that the, that the story is a romance. And I'd say that it's clear that you can understand that they are falling in love with each other, and in the end that they do, they do love each other, right? But they did not necessitate any scenes that really spelled it out for you. You just knew. You were able to understand through conversations and simple, simple gestures, just the way she wrote it without needing to expound or dive deep into it, that they had romantic feelings for each other and that they fell into in love with each other. Well, and just capturing that there's another deeper side of love than just the physical mm-hmm. aspect of it. Right, yeah. And that, that, obviously that's a part of it, but the more important is not the physical, right? I don't know if any of that made sense, but I think in order for a book to be good, it helps us understand the goodness and the beauty of whatever the topic is, whatever, you know, if it's romance, <laughs> that it really helps us understand the goodness and the beauty without taking us in too deep. Well, yeah, and without jeopardizing the truth. Yeah. Any of you catch what we did there? We just listed off. <laughs> <laughs> Which segues into kind of another part of our podcast is that ultimately a good book. And all art. Oh, yeah. But we're talking about books. Well, I'm just <laughs> saying all art in general. Yeah. The goal is elevating that which is good, that which is true, and that which is beautiful. Some other thoughts. It really will fill you up. It won't leave you with a sense of being hungry, except for just hungry for another good book, right? But it'll kind of be a sense of completeness and that... Well, it's because that which is good, true, and beautiful, those are essentially like the closest things to a pure reality or Mm -hmm. like the divine, the supernatural that we can actually experience and touch. And that's what we were made for. Mm -hmm. So when we see those things that elevate us out of this this worldly, just very, in a sense, physical world and gets us into that which is not seen, it touches that place that kind of gets buried as we live in the world. It touches our soul. Yeah. And we hunger for it because that's what we were created for. Exactly. So ultimately... You know, that's what a a good book will do. And if you've never felt that or experienced that, I guess you've not read a good book. And then we've kind of touched on all these, but, you know, what are the messages that the book is portraying? And that will really lend to, you know, the truth of it, the, the beauty and the goodness. And I think just an important note, something just to point out is that it, a book does not need to be religious. 
It does not need to be Catholic. It does not need to be Christian in order to be a good book. Lord of the Rings is underneath it all, but does anyone really know that? You know, is that something that anyone would be able to point out if, if Tolkien himself didn't say it and if people didn't spend time really searching for that? But can you still see the beauty, the goodness, and the truth in it? Absolutely. If you're sick of us referencing Lord of the Rings, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's going to keep happening. So, <laughs> And so our last little segment is just going to jump into some of the practicals, recommendations that we have in our experience. Beginning, and I think we've really kind of hit on this a bit, so we're mm-hmm. just going to kind of fly through it. Good books to read if you are in search of good books. And I think a key here is don't be embarrassed to pick up a children's book, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a lot of the classics that were really geared toward children, man, so they are so good. Yeah. I've recently just read Little Men for the first time, and man, that was mm-hmm. a really wholesome book. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that it's a kid's book, but that's okay. Because kids can handle that. They are very intelligent and they need these good morals and, and the goodness and the truth and the beauty as well. They don't need things dumped down for them. It's the reason why a good book will be good for all ages. All ages. So a lot of the books I've been reading recently are read by kids and I've been loving them. So we've mentioned Lord of the Rings and we'll try not to mention it again, but just read it. Okay. And like it, but... Not to the extent of Tolkien's creative genius, but again, a creative genius. C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, just really Mm -hmm. great books. Honestly, I think the first time I actually read the whole series was just in the past couple of years. years We went through the series, but another just really good. Mm -hmm. And a good one, an easy one to listen on audiobook. Uh we did that one through audiobook most of it it. yeah otherwise we read read it and then like you mentioned little men and i read little women and um good wives as well i am realizing that i i really love stories that are really just based around real everyday life um and although they're fictional characters they're really embodying like what it's like to whether it's in Little Women, like be women growing up and, and sisters and what that looks like and to have a mother and father who they love so dearly and, and good friends and those lessons of, of friendship or of etiquette or of learning how to work or be a housewife or compassion. I mean, any, uh, it, yeah, it's really good and there's so much to be taken away. I mean, I never thought I'd be like underlining things in a book like that as <laughs> well. Like, Definitely would kind of consider it more of a children's book in a sense. And I found myself with a pen, actually a pencil, on some pages. And just there were some really important truths in there that are beautiful and good too. Um, Then I mentioned Father Elijah. And I just say, I haven't read all of Michael O'Brien's books. But Father Elijah has been recommended to me many times. And I finally, finally just read it and loved it, like I mentioned so I'm really excited to continue diving into his stories and his books and continuing seeing what he has in store. And so far, I've been really, really impressed by his storytelling and his writing and the Catholicity, the theology, and the philosophy contained within his writing. And then 
I think just in general, the classics, I had such an aversion to them younger when I was younger, but they really, they're classics for a reason. They are really good. So The Count of Monte Cristo, um, Little Men, Little Women, Anne of Green Gables, Jane Austen, Pride, you know, Pride and Prejudice, um, and the list could go on and on and on. I read The Scarlet Pimpernel, which I really enjoyed. So many different books that I never read growing up, but I'm really glad I'm reading now and just really, really wholesome. And with that, I would say do not be afraid to try and find audiobooks of mm-hmm. these books or any books that you want to read. I will say there's definitely something about having a hard copy in front of you and actually being able to sit down and read. But if the only way that you're going to get through books is through audiobooks, I have not had an experience with them until recently. And there, honestly, if you find a good recording are awesome. Yeah, that's like a trick. With, <laughs> with Lord of the Rings, I would have never imagined, but after reading them all and then watching the movies, I would pick listening to the audiobook, of course, provided, I mean, if you had the time to actually mm-hmm. listen to the whole audiobook versus the two-and-a-half-hour movie, but oh, the audiobook was so much better than the movie itself. Mm-hmm. I think it comes back to that imaginative and creative part of me. Maybe that's not for everyone, but it works. Audiobooks are a great way to still make it through books if you don't actually have the time to to put it in elsewhere. Yeah, I think that's really where I got into audiobooks because I wouldn't say audiobooks replace or should replace physical books. Right, there should always be physical books. But it's really given me the ability and the time that I wouldn't have otherwise to read many books while, you know, read but listen to while doing other work, kind of like I mentioned before. Or you can in the car. We did a lot of listening while we were on our vacation. We had so many hours in the car, so we did listen to several chapters of Lord of the Rings. And the key is finding maybe a narrator that you enjoy and I have found one that I really enjoy. She's read a lot of the books I wanted to read. A bad narrator can ruin an audiobook, but don't let that stop you. Keep looking. You know, some of them, there are free apps, free online. The Lord of the Rings that we listened to that we loved were free. And then there are some that are pretty cheap subscriptions or they have, you know, 30-day free trials and stuff. So just give it a try. And I've also found that I've listened to some books that I would I know I never would have had the, like taken the time to sit down and read. I just wouldn't have been patient enough with it. And I loved listening to them. So I've, I've enjoyed it more than I thought I would. And then I think it's important. It's not something I've been good about for a number of years, but I've really been trying to do better at recently, is try to be intentional and just find a way to fit in even if it's 10-15 minutes, just a little time each day where you can sit down and read. And again, it doesn't have to be much. Maybe it's only a few pages, but I think that can make a big difference. Just take the time to challenge your brain in a different way, but also to kind of get that wholesome filling of our soul, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I've been trying to, as soon as I get home from work, just sit down and read a little bit out of one of the books And it's been great. I've really been enjoying it. Or it could be, you know, right before bed. It's a great way to kind of calm yourself down for Anna (laughs) a little too much, maybe. (laughs) 
I, it's been really hard because I have so many books I want to read, but then after two and a half chapters, especially if I read at night, I kind of just, I'm like, my head's hitting the page, and I have no idea what I just read. So it's... She it's, says two and a half chapters. She means, like, two pages. Do I pages. say chapters? Oh, my goodness. Pages. Definitely pages. I don't think she can get through two and a half chapters in one sitting. No. <laughs> I, I fall asleep way too easily. I'm going to blame it on the baby, but probably not fair either. But it, I actually have started reading before bed to wind myself down so much to the point where I know I will fall asleep really, really quickly. And it actually is working really well. It's kind of sad in one sense, but really helpful in another. And then like I mentioned earlier, we'll put the link to the Burrowshire podcast episode. That- and some of the audiobook narrators yeah. that we've really enjoyed. Yeah, or even some different um, audiobooks book apps or sites that we found helpful but we'll put all those links in the show notes um and i highly recommend listening to the Burrowshire podcast episode uh, i don't know off the top of my head what it's called but they have one on books and movies and video games and they also have one on building a library so i'll put both of those on there and have those available for you yeah and like we mentioned our next episode will kind of capture the second half of this, where we dive more into the spiritual literature. So we're excited mm-hmm. to share that with you because there are a large stack of books that mm-hmm. we've really enjoyed from that side. And, and then we can't a wait larger to read stack well. yeah. <laughs> of ones we have yet to read. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, let us end in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the, the Son, and of the, the Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Lord, our King, and our God, we thank you for the gift of the ways that you allow our souls to experience the good, the true, and the beautiful here on earth. That you allow that hunger for that which is so full in your goodness and in your beauty and in your truth. That we long for that and we desire that. And it awakens a fire within us when we experience it. Lord, that is where evangelization is going to occur. For those of us who have experienced that which is good and true and beautiful, that awakens a fire like nothing else. And that's where we can share with others your glory. We thank you for the gift of the authors who have created these masterpieces in which we can experience deeper realities and deeper truths hidden within, even that which is fantastically written. And we continue to give you the praise and the glory. We say, ask this all in your great name. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. We will see you all next time. God bless. Bye.